Well, good morning, Redeemer Church. My name is Jean Damon. Uh, my family and I have been a part of Redeemer for about two years now. Uh, my husband, John, you see him up here uh, helping with the worship every week. Uh, we're both teachers, and we're just both so grateful to be a part of this community. It was two years ago, June 2016, where we attended a preview service for Redeemer, and it wasn't even in this building yet. It was in the uh, FUMC in Pearland in the Family Life Center, and I remember we uh, introduced ourselves to David after the service. I said, my name is Jean, and I'm a recovering former church employee, and he was like, okay. Um, but we uh, went out to coffee with him a few weeks later. We kind of interviewed him, um, and I guess the rest you can say is history. We were just looking uh, for a change, and we are so um, just thankful and honored and just to be a part of Redeemer. Um, it's brought tremendous spiritual growth to my family and definitely a greater life in Christ is absolutely what we have found here. So Pastor David is vacationing today in Illinois in his homeland and he tells me they've had a great time and they've been relaxing a lot, but he'll be back here with us next week. So I was really excited about this series called Find Your Five because it allows us to encounter the Bible from a narrative perspective. Um, that is, we can look at the individual Bible stories in the context of the whole of Scripture, which I like to refer to as the story of God. So we look at these little stories within the big stories. And hopefully, as we do that, we can find our own place within the story of God, because God's story didn't end at the end of Revelation. It is still ongoing today, and we are all a part of that. So we're looking at different relationships and stories in the Bible in this series. Today, we're going to be talking about the relationship in the New Testament between Paul and Barnabas. So I've heard the word, or I've heard about the person Barnabas a whole lot, and I know that he's like the poster child for encouragement, but I've never actually sat down and really read the parts of scripture that he's involved in kind of as one cohesive story. And um, I've learned a lot and gained a lot of insight into him and just into overall um, biblical encouragement and what that means just by looking at his life. So I hope you gain a little bit of insight into that too as we read through his story. But before we dive in, let's pray. God, I thank you for this day and I thank you for this amazing community here. God, I thank you like... Thea said that even our littlest ones here can be a source of encouragement. God, as we look at your scripture today, help us find our place where we both maybe need to be encouraged and in places in our lives where we can encourage others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So most of our scripture this morning is coming from the book of Acts, which is the story of the early church, and it's written by Luke, who's the same man who wrote the gospel of Luke. So the book of Acts kind of plays out like an adventure movie. Like I think of it as like a summer blockbuster if it was on the big screen. It has good guys and bad guys, shipwrecks, murder, prison breaks. Like it's got everything. Not a whole lot of explosions, but it would still make a really great Hollywood story. And I hope we spend some time in the future studying this book because it really is one of my favorites. Uh, it's kind of hard to sit down and read, though, because some of the stories and stuff get lost. It's about 28 chapters long, but it covers 35 years of history of the early church, and it's really fascinating. So we learn about um, the men and the women who were influential in the spread of the good news of Jesus throughout Acts. So, for example, in Acts 4, Luke tells the story of a man named Joseph. Joseph um, was pretty wealthy. He sold his field that he owned, and then he gave his money to the apostles. This is in the context of perhaps a well-known passage of scripture where it talks about the people in the early church in Jerusalem um, selling their possessions and sharing everything that they had with each other. 
So that's what Joseph did. This act of generosity earned him good standing with the church when he sold the field and shared his possessions. But it also gave him a new name, which is something we see a lot in Acts. His name was Joseph, but then the apostles called him Barnabas. And that name in Greek literally means son of encouragement. The other main character we're looking at today is also someone whose name changes, and that's a man named Paul. So when we're first introduced to him, his name is Saul, and it seems like he's the villain in this story. That's really how Luke sets him up to be. Saul is a Jew who's been persecuting Christ followers. At this time, this whole movement to follow Jesus was so new, people weren't even called Christians yet. And Saul is ordering the deaths of those who would follow this Jesus. And Saul and his misdeeds are first mentioned in Acts chapter 9. But Saul has this dramatic conversion as he's traveling from Jerusalem to Damascus. And actually, he's on his way with a list of people in hand that he is going to throw into prison because they were following Christ. But it's there on the road with that list that he meets the risen Christ and his life is forever changed. So we're going to take a look at how the rest of that chapter unfolds after his conversion. This comes from Acts chapter 9, 19 through 28. All the scriptures will be on screen, but you may follow along in your Bible if you'd like. So Acts chapter 9, verse 19, the second half. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once, he began to preach in the synagogue that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on the name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. After many days had gone by, there was a conspiracy among the Jews to kill him, and Saul learned of their plan. Day and night he kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him. But his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in a wall. I mean, imagine that on the big screen, right? That'd be pretty dramatic to see. Okay, back to the scripture. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing he was really a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. Um, apostles. <laughs> he told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. So the scene that we're reading in this passage is really a pivotal moment for Saul. Like I said, he had this awe-inspiring conversion, but he had made a whole lot of enemies along the way. It took a leader with courage like Barnabas to see through all that hype and to see who Saul, see Saul for who he really was. The encouraging words of Barnabas may have literally saved Saul's life here. And that brings me to my first point, that an encourager can change your life. That's what Barnabas did for Saul. Now, there are different ways to offer encouragement to someone that can certainly make their day better. You know, Tia kind of pointed that out with the kids. You know, the old good job, attaboy, nice shoes. Uh, you know, that can really go a long way. Uh, it's like telling the checker at H-E-B that's clearly in training, it's okay, I'm not in a hurry, you're doing a good job as I can't find the sticker on the banana, you know. Um, those sort of things are nice to say and they're nice to hear. It can make someone's day a little nicer. But biblical encouragement, the kind that Barnabas offers, is life-changing and life-giving. 
The Greek word for encourage literally means to come alongside. So I don't know if there's anyone here, but I get really stressed if like my car does anything crazy. I'm just like, I don't handle those situations in life really well, right? Right. Okay, so <laughs> I think about the times where like my car battery dies. And that happened to my family one day when we were in Sonic. Um, it just died, it would not restart. So we're in our stall. I mean, at least we had like our happy hour drinks and everything, but we weren't going anywhere. So we called my brother-in-law, Brad, to say, hey, can you give us a jump? I, like to per I prefer to have help with friends and family than strangers. So anyway, so Brad came in. He pulled in alongside the stall with us, obviously, and then he connected the jumper cables. But this is like kind of what encouragement is, you know, your friend pulling their car alongside of you and transferring power from their battery to mine, the one that's dead. And so we connect the good battery and the car that's running to the depleted battery. The energy flows into the weak battery from the one that is strong. And that's a lot like encouragement. You know, sometimes we need someone to come alongside of us and charge our weak spiritual batteries, so to speak. When we speak encouraging words, the power flows from our battery to theirs. And speaking words of edification literally give grace to the person that hears them. And that's what Barnabas did on Saul's behalf. He charged his spiritual battery and really empowered him to live a life of ministry. So 12 years pass after Saul receives these words of grace from Barnabas, and we don't really hear much about what Saul is up to at this time. Um, he tells us later in scripture that he's a tent maker, so he may have been working on his profession, he may have been preaching locally in Tarsus, we're not exactly sure. But meanwhile, the gospel's being spread all around Judea in the Jewish world and outside of it. And one place was a city called Antioch which is in um, the country of Turkey. And um, that was where the first Gentile church was, or that's a church made up of converts that were not previously Jewish. And the church leaders decide to send someone there. We're gonna pick up the story in Acts chapter 11. So news of this reached the church in Jerusalem and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived, he saw that the grace of God, he saw what the grace of God had done. He was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. So in this passage, we again see Barnabas, the encourager, at work. He meets people, he listens to them, and he encourages them. This time he does it with a whole community of believers. And in this day in the early church, there was a lot of tension between Jewish converts and Gentile converts. But Barnabas didn't share the view that one was superior to the other. He just saw people through the eyes of grace. He was very much like a pastor to the Christians in Antioch. Um, but he saw that he needed help, and he sought out Saul. And they worked side by side for a year, offering leadership and life-giving encouragement to those new to the faith. So after this, Paul and Barnabas returned to Jerusalem, and um, then they were there to be sent out as missionaries. Saul and Barnabas spent five years of missionary travels together in Cyprus and in Greece, which leads me to my next point, that an encourager will walk beside you. Five years is a really long time to be on a trip with someone, right? Like, how many of you have vacationed with your family already? 
this summer, and after maybe five days, you're ready to go home at some point, right? Can you imagine five years traveling with someone, and not for vacation, they weren't going to water parks, they were doing really, really hard work. Um, they took along some friends, of course. Um, John Mark was one of them that came with. We heard David preach on him last week. He was a young leader in the church, but John only stayed with a, for a portion of the expedition. And it was on this missionary journey that Saul became known as Paul. Uh, they encountered a whole lot of crazy things. They encountered both Christians and non-Christians, uh, Jewish converts, and those that were not. They also encountered sorcerers, which, I don't know, I just get to that part of the scripture, and my mind can't help but go to Monty Python and, like, the sorcerer there. So I don't know if he was, like, lighting things on fire. Maybe his name was Tim. I don't know. But they encountered a sorcerer. They managed to convert him, which was pretty cool. And they had many other converts to Christianity, uh, people of both the Jewish faith and non-Jews as well. Luke describes them in Acts 15 as men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because in a lot of places they went, they were chased out of town. They were thrown in prison, they were stoned, a whole lot happened. Um, and one city, they were almost too good at their job. So in the city of Lystra, uh, which was in Greece, they healed a man. And the crowd was so impressed that they started calling them Greek gods. So Barnabas, they started referring to as Zeus. So I don't know if he was like built or whatever, but they called him Zeus. And then they called Paul Hermes because he was the one delivering the message of the good news. And they were like ready to build them statues. They were bringing in animals to make sacrifices to this Zeus and to this Hermes. And they were horrified. You know, please, no, no, we're just human. We're not gods. And the people didn't want to hear that. And they ended up stoning Paul. The disciples thought he was dead, but he survived. And then they, after that, they continued on to the next city. So their adventures were very wild in those five years. They went through a lot together. But Barnabas was with Paul every step of the way. So I want to ask you, have you ever had someone like that in your life? Um, you know, hopefully you have an encouraging you know, parent or a spouse. I want to talk about a relationship that's a little bit different. Um, that source of encouragement. So someone that's like cheering you on in the marathon of your life. So one person who was like that for me was my professor at seminary, Ed Robinson. Ed was the kind of man that every college student dreamed about. Like he was just so graceful and helped us with our schedules and with our calling. He even like opened up his home to us and fed us. I mean, that's really important when you're a struggling college student. Um, but he was always there for me, and he really encouraged me spiritually in these very formative years of my life. But he was also a consistent source of encouragement. So after three years in seminary, um, and I'm a native Midwesterner, by the way, I get um, a call and interview to the, at this church, and it really seemed like a foreign land at the time. It was in Beaumont, Texas. <laughs> but let me tell you, it was really like a rough first year. I mean, first of all, like our very first few weeks there, we got called Yankee all the time. I'm like, this is not 1864, but they, it wasn't like in a playful way. It was like a get off my lawn, you Yankee kind of way. I was like, really? I can't help where I'm from. Um, we knew nobody in Texas. And um, people constantly reminded us in that community that we were outsiders. Uh, some families acted like it was my fault that my predecessor had been fired, even though that happened like a year before I interviewed. It was crazy, but they literally told me, my children will not be part of your youth group. Okay. So our youth group the first year, and John was there with me every step of the way, we had three sixth grade boys and a couple of families who had moved in from outside the area. And that was it. It was rough. And then it was September of 2005, and we took a little trip back to the homeland of Kansas City. Okay, it wasn't a trip. It was a two-week evacuation to get away from Rita. 
So I just remember thinking, oh my gosh, where did we go? I've never lived through a hurricane before. I do not want to go back. But I paid a visit to good old Ed Robinson and just recounted the terrible year I had had and saying that I'm thinking about staying here in Kansas. Texas has not been kind to me. But he looked at me and he said, your life is no longer here. You need to go back home. What? I was mad. I was furious. But he was absolutely right. And so after the evacuation orders were lifted, we did. We went back home. I really needed to hear that. I needed that encouragement to get my butt back where it belonged. So we went home. And we stayed there for three more years uh, before making Houston our permanent home. But I'm so thankful for Ed and for his willingness to walk alongside me in those years where I was trying to figure out what it meant to be in ministry. Sadly, he passed away this year from a sudden heart attack, but um, I connected with a lot of my former seminary students, and we just all had stories about how Ed changed our lives with his encouragement. When I told my mom that he had passed, she said, oh, you were his favorite. But I mean, she says about everyone, she's everybody's favorite. And, but I said, you know, he made me feel that way, but really everybody was his favorite. So I hope you've had an encourager like Ed in your life, someone who made you feel like you were their favorite person, who walked with you in those tough times, and who changed your life for the better. Ed was my Barnabas. So you may be in a season of life where you desperately need a Barnabas to come alongside you and to encourage you. I just wanna say, hang on, you are not going through this life alone. Get involved with Christians, get connected. Um, I know sometimes when I'm having like a downtime, I tend to wanna to withdraw or retreat, but that's really the opposite of what we need to do. So I encourage you, if you're in need of this right now, to find your people. John and I found our people in our growth group here at Redeemer, and that might be a place where you can do that, or through a Bible study, or serving alongside uh, with those in the children's ministry. Whatever it is, find your people and connect. You can find people that have a common purpose, people to walk together in this life well. So if we place ourselves in these situations with people on a similar journey, we're bound to get some godly encouragement from them. Your Barnabas, I promise you, will appear from that. Well, there's one more passage I want to look at today that will bring our Barnabas and Paul story to a close. And this is from Acts 15. This is sometimes after they return from their missionary journey. And I kind of imagine them like two old college buddies telling stories about the good times they had. So Acts 15, 36. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul did not think it was wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. Okay, whoa, like what is happening here? The story suddenly changes on us. These two really good buddies have a falling out. It's so severe that we don't hear from Barnabas again in the book of Acts. There's no story of reconciliation. Luke just unfollows, unfriends him, Barnabas, and that's it. We don't hear from him. But it's easy to kind of focus on that and miss the positive thing that's still happening in this passage. Barnabas continues his legacy as an encourager. 
He mentors John Mark. Even though John Mark had left them down, he ran away from their mission when it got hard. But Barnabas never gave up on him. He still saw the best in John Mark. So like all the relationships we've been exploring in this series, I hope you find yourself on both sides of the coin, that you have someone in your life that's been a source of encouragement and life to you, but also that you are an encourager yourself. And that's really our challenge today, to become an encourager. Paul had another 18 years of ministry after his falling out with Barnabas. He went on two more missionary journeys, taking the gospel further into the Roman world than anyone else. Um, he also uh, planted churches. He encouraged churches. He helped struggling churches. And he encouraged a new generation of leaders. And it wasn't always easy. He was thrown in prison many times. Many of his um, epistle writings was him writing while he was in chains. Um, and it's interesting to note that eventually Paul became a mentor to John Mark, even though he refused to work with him at this point when he had the separation from Barnabas. Um, he still saw good in him, was able to encourage him years later. So with Paul, he's the one that gives us most of our theology of the church from his writings. All of his biblical writings, except for maybe one, were written after he parted ways with Barnabas. He mentions him here and there, but they never connect again in ministry. So I have to think that a bit of Barnabas went with Paul wherever he went. So here's just a small example of some encouraging words that Paul wrote after his time with Barnabas. He said, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. He wrote that in Romans 15. Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. 1 Corinthians 16. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And I could go on and on. And chances are, if you've read the New Testament, you've been encouraged by the words of Paul somewhere along the way. So I saw encouragement in action in uh, one of my family's favorite shows. We've kind of been binge watching a few things on Netflix now that summer's here. And one of those shows is Brain Games. Does anybody watch Brain Games on Netflix? Okay, go home. It's educational. It's hilarious. It's awesome. Um, and watch this. So we were watching an episode um, where they were talking about the effects of stress. And they were doing a little experiment. So they set up an old concentration game. You remember that one? It had like the red on the outside and the blue and all those different shapes with cutouts. And you have the little yellow shapes and you have to try to match them all while that timer is like ticking away and getting louder and louder as the time's running out. So they had their test subjects try to beat the game of concentration. And the first group of test subjects, they had a man there that was pretty much berating them the whole time. You know, saying stuff like, oh, you're never going to make it. I could go faster if I was using my feet and just like getting in their face and getting in their head. And only 20% of the participants were able to be successful at completing the concentration board before the time ran out when this man was yelling at them. So round two of test subjects, the man was completely different. Same man, but he was being very encouraging. You can do it. Just take your time. This one goes here. You, you got this. Saying all these wonderful, encouraging things. Think there was a difference in the results? It was huge. 80% of the participants were able to complete it when they were hearing these wonderful, encouraging words. Now, that's not super scientific, but there's actually been a lot of scientific studies done on encouragement and the effects of the brain and on behavior. 
So school children who receive words of encouragement from a teacher early on are significantly more likely to continue their education beyond the age of 16 than those who are not encouraged by a teacher. Now this was done in the UK, so 16 is kind of like their breaking point for like post-secondary education there. But it was found that on average across all backgrounds and all abilities, rates of entry into post-secondary education were eight percentage points higher for those that reported having an encouraging teacher than those who didn't. And teacher encouragement was the biggest single factor on students with average academic achievement in their post-secondary success. Now I know there's a lot of teachers in here, and happy summer to us all, um, but that really just kind of made me stop in my tracks. I'm a special ed teacher, so my kids often just, they've been told over and over, you can't do this, or even their own self-talk is, math is hard, I can't read, over and over. So really, these children need so much encouragement to achieve anything in life. Now this holds true for corporations as well, for adults, that if you have um, an encouraging boss who speech, speaks encouraging words, it's shown that workers are more productive and more creative with that encouragement. So wherever you are in life, teachers, if you're a boss, a manager, um, parents, a friend, words of encouragement hold power. And just imagine that, you know, like what Barnabas did with Saul, our words can breathe life into someone. We can give grace where it's needed. So I encourage you to be a person of encouragement with your words and with your actions. Walk through life with other people and encourage them along the way. And I pray that your uplifting words, your uplifting actions may bring encouragement and be life-changing for someone else. So I want to leave you with a thought today from a book called Silver Boxes, The Gift of Encouragement. There's a little poem I came across. It says, do you know someone who has a song waiting to be sung, some art waiting to be hung, a piece waiting to be played, a scene waiting to be staged, a tale waiting to be told, a book waiting to be sold, a rhyme waiting to be read, a speech waiting to be said, if you do, don't let them die with the music still in them. Let us pray. God, we thank you today for the stories in your word. God, I thank you for Barnabas and Saul and their relationship and how it can be a guide for us to be encouraged and encouragers in our life. God, help us find places in this world where we can bring life-changing encouragement to others. And God, I ask a special prayer today for those that feel they are in desperate need of an encourager. God, I pray that you bring someone who can walk alongside them in life, that can speak those life-changing words of encouragement into their soul. God, bring them into a group, connect them with someone that can be exactly what they need. God, we thank you so much for these stories today. And may we go out of here encouraged ourselves. In Jesus' name and by the power of the Holy Spirit, amen.